Well, welcome to the Skits Up Heli podcast. Uh, so today it seems like I think it's our fourth or fifth episode that we're actually on track. Uh, we've moved over to a monthly release schedule. And uh, I think that we're proud to say that we've been releasing, even if it's uh, a month, it gives us time to do what we need to do, to do the scheduling, to do everything that we need to do. And we've been releasing our episodes actually on the day and on the hour. So I want to welcome everyone that listens to us. I want to give a big thanks to everyone that downloads and listens to this podcast. So today we are a little bit short on our regular staff. However, we are making up greatly for it because we have two awesome guests today. So uh, today, uh, first, let's uh, let's uh, give a quick round of uh, our usual welcomes. So, uh, Mr. Darren Weens, how are you doing today? How's it going, eh? Nice, nice. That uh, that Canadian A never gets old. Oh yeah, and and you know, I need I got a bone to pick here. Yet, you, you you know, you're talking about our release schedule and that we've been pretty regularly, and I would agree with that. We have been very regularly, but did you happen to listen to the latest Telerotor episode? Uh, what was that? The uh, the one for soldering? No, their end of the year one where they do their uh, prognostications and predictions and all that stuff. Ah, uh, no, I didn't. I don't remember hearing that. See, they one of the prognostications that they had from last year was that Skids Up would have become more regular at at releasing than than them. And they uh, figure they were more. Re- they figured that they were more regular on their release in 2022 than us. And I don't know. I think I would beg to differ on that. I think they, we were releasing yeah. much more regularly than they did this year. Me too. Me too. And we've yeah. actually not only been regular, but we've been the same exact day, the same exact hour. So exactly. That's- so tell her order, suck it. <laughs> nice. <laughs> nice. Nice. So uh, today, as I as I uh, was teasing before, we have two very special guests. So we have Donny Pesci. So uh, hi and welcome. Hi everyone. <laughs> and we have Ben, uh, the gambler historic. Hey, what's up, everyone? Thanks for having me. Alrighty. So I think that uh, we will go through our quick, well, hopefully quick, usual rounds of what's uh, everyone been up to, which today is mostly just uh, our friend Darren, but uh, we'll go also through what Donnie and Ben have been up to lately, which I'm sure is not going to be any sh- anything short of really cool. So, uh, Mr. Wins, uh, why don't we uh, get started with you? Well, I don't really have a whole lot to report. I got a little bit, but I haven't really been able to do a whole lot of flying other than indoor flying. We got started on our indoor here now, finally, thanks to you know, COVID shutdown stuff all be, or a lot of that being removed. And so the school let us back into the gymnasium so we could start doing our indoor flying this year. So I picked up a little MCPX brushless version two, and I still have, I've had an old, an Oxy two that I've had literally since they were first released. Mine's one of the pre-release versions or not pre-release, but I, it was one of the first ones come that was released. Okay. And still flies good and everything like that. So that's basically about the only flying that I've been doing. That's not too bad. That's not too bad. bad. It's better than not flying at all anyways. Yeah. I do have a bit of an update on my scale helicopter. 
Oh, nice. The Did you parts, get the parts? The parts have been officially ordered. I don't have them yet, but they have officially been ordered. Nice. I'm so you'll get everything back to where it was? Well, I don't know yet. We'll still see. I still... That Roban five-blade head that I had on there, the screws and hardware is not really high-quality parts. And... It's going to be really difficult for me to pull the feathering shafts out of there to go and check to see whether any of them are still straight or not. And I'm a little concerned about that as to how well I'm going to be able to take that apart yet. We'll see. So I might just put a two-blade head back onto it. We'll see. Other than that, the you know the main parts, all of the parts that actually broke, the landing gear, the windows... Uh, what else was there? A couple other little minor pieces that were all broken out of the fuselage. So I've got those parts are on their way. My friend out here was able to order them for me. So I'm getting them from my local supplier. And yeah, hopefully I don't have an, an ETA as to when they'll show up yet. Because they're coming. Well, it's a fun key fuselage. I think he's getting them directly from fun key. So I'm assuming, I think what are they? I think they're in Vietnam. Are they not? Yes. Yeah, yes. so it'll probably be coming straight from there. And then from there, yeah, I don't to be honest, I don't even know how much they're going to cost yet. <laughs> my friend my friend didn't even know how much they were going to cost. He says I just ordered them and we'll go we'll deal with it from there. I'm like, "Okay." So <laughs> the parts are on their way anyways. And so at the very least I'll get it flying again with a two-bladed head. And then I just got to go and do all the fiberglass repairs and mechanical repairs yet too. And uh, that shouldn't be too bad. So, yeah. I think other than that, I did have a little other little kind of side flying related project. If you remember, I think I talked about it at uh, beginning when I first uh, joined. Here in Canada, especially or Western Canada, we had massive, massive flooding last year, right? Uh, in in November, in fact, my RC flying field we had roughly thirty one inches of water on our flying field, and Same. yeah, it was a lot. Mm-hmm. And one of the problems with all of that then, because our field is actually surrounded by a moat, and we were not able to actually completely cut the entire runway, the grass on the runway until July 1st. It took that long for it to all dry out. Well, a lot of the parts that we were able to cut were still pretty wet and soggy. And so unfortunately, then our lawnmower ended up cutting all kinds of ruts into the runway. And typically our club president is able to go and borrow uh, a big road construction compactor. A giant thing like we're talking it needs to fit on a big on a low bed semi-trailer to get this thing in here but unfortunately he's not able to do that anymore and we had an old old roller kicking around i 55 inches long 29 inches high i estimate empty it weighs about between seven to eight hundred pounds so it's pretty heavy yeah and so I took it out to my parents' place in Kamloops over Christmas time. And dad and I built up a frame for it to go and pull it behind our lawnmower tractor at the field. And we're hoping to use that to go and level out all the ruts and bumps and all that kind of thing that's on our runway. So the guys can start flying their jets again last year. Nobody was able to fly any turbine jets last year because the runway was just too rough. 
So hopefully we can actually get that all nice and smoothed out this spring. And yeah, that all worked out good. And yeah, a lot of nice, fun little project to go and do together with my dad as well. So that's cool. That's pretty cool. Nice, nice. Yeah. And other than that, I bought a new audio interface for rec- for the podcast recording, so I can do a couple other extra funky little fun things. But I think Sweet. that's basically yeah. about it. Nice, nice. That's a pretty good update, my friend. Yeah. Did a little bit of. Oh, <laughs> can we talk about fishing? <laughs> no fishing for very, me because uh there, very there, very quickly okay go ahead go ahead for me there's no weather to fish so go ahead my dad and i decided to try <laughs> ice fishing and we got my truck badly stuck in the snow it took us three and a half hours to get myself unstuck oh. <laughs> we didn't even make it to you. the lake <laughs> that'll teach you to try to ice fish <laughs> <laughs> that was actually only the first of three attempts but i won't talk about the other two and that's about it all righty good 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 my friend how about you Javier well I'm very excited because Santa Claus uh was very very good to me this year so I'm a I'm a big boy but I still believe in Santa Claus because he keeps on bringing stuff so um so I'm (laughs) happy about that (laughs) I got a new charger which uh, I'm very happy with I'm finally complete so my setup, uh, I used to have uh, four GT500 Revolectrix chargers, but as we know, Revolectrix is dead, and there's no way to repair them, and there's no way to buy them until unless you know you get them, um, you know, from someone that's out there. But you know, they're pretty good pieces of equipment, so not a lot of people want to get rid of them if they keep working. Actually, isn't there one of their old, one of their former employees who is going to still do repairs on them? Well, there's a there's a thread on Helifreak about that. Yes, it still exists. And, you know, the guy was very active in there, but all of a sudden he just disappeared. And there were a lot of people that said, hey, I cannot reach this guy anymore. And and uh, because he was he was also selling the RFID tags. Okay. But he apparently just, you know, disappeared from the face of the earth. Hmm. Okay. So there's no way to do anything Revolectrics anymore. So one of my chargers died, so I only had three. So I wanted to replace that, and I replaced it with an ISDT Q8, which turns out to be a pretty good machine. I haven't, you know, since I'm not flying because of weather, I haven't actually tested it. But, you know, I fired it up, and I did a balanced charge. You know, I usually, I don't know, every month, month and a half during this season that I don't fly, I just pick up my batteries and I run them through the charger just to do the balanced charge cycle. And uh, just to make sure that they're nice and, and, you know, at balance charge, that nothing's happened to them, that I don't have like a, a faulty cell or anything. So I just go through them. Um, also to kind of remind me that I still have a helicopter hobby. <laughs> so, um, so I, I usually do that. So I just, I just run batteries through it, through that cycle and everything seemed to be working fine. Now, and one, one, one thing that happened to me. <laughs> You know, with whenever you get into something that's a little bit different or a little bit new, you know, something something always happens, and especially to me. Th- this new charger has a different, let's say, power interface. You know, the um, the Revolectrix chargers usually have, uh, you know, by default have EC5s, and they connect to the to the board with uh, with those. Uh, I don't know how you call them. You know, bullet connectors. 
So you use bullet connectors and the regular balance uh, connector to go to the to a balancing board or to your, to your charging cables and then go to an EC5 to actually power the thing. Well, on the Q8, you need to have XT60 that goes from uh from the from you know to your power supply on one side and on the other side also XT60 to the board and then you know your regular balance connector. So I found an adapter that was easy enough. I found an adapter that goes XT60 to bullets so that I could connect my my existing parallel boards. But I needed an XT60 to go. Basically, I I had to make a wire because I couldn't find one with the with the right male and female combination to go from an XT60 to an EC5 to actually go to the power. So I didn't so that I didn't have to do you know too many changes, right? But I, while I was browsing, I found the XT60 connectors and I found that they didn't have that little like cover that goes on top. You know, the, the nice thing about the about the XT connectors in general is, you know, that the, the terminals are, ex- are exposed. You, they're ve- very easy to solder into. And then they have like a cover that has, uh, you know, in the middle has plastic so that you can separate them once the cover is there and it covers nicely so you don't have to you know, do any shrink wrap or do anything to just plug in a little, a little, a little cover. So that's pretty nice. But the XT60s, I couldn't find XT60s that had that little cover. So since I'm not that familiar and I, and, and quite honestly, it was just because I wasn't paying enough attention. You know, I found some connectors that had that cover. So I ordered them. And when I arrived, I realized that they were XT90s instead of XT60s. <laughs> so, so of course I couldn't connect it. So I had to search for other other connectors and and get them. So eventually I figured it out. But uh, you know, every time that something new comes in, something always seems to happen. Another thing that Santa brought was uh, parts for the raw. So I'm getting closer. I'm getting closer to to getting my my raw finished. I've actually used all the parts that I got. So I'm very happy about that. I reassembled the tail. I reassembled the head and I was missing bearings for the head, but I realized because of course I'm a goblin fan fanboy and I have all SAP goblin spares, I realized that the same bearings that the 380 uses for the main bearing, you know, the 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 for the main plate, so the ones that go to the main shaft on the 380 are the same bearings that go on the head of the of the raw, you know, of a 700 size heli. So and I had spares of those. So I was actually able to reassemble the head so I reassembled the head, I reassembled the tail, I reassembled the, and re-greased the transmission because the, the on 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 the crash, you know, uh, well, uh, Donnie and Ben, you guys don't know this, but I I bought this raw KSE from a friend at a ridiculous price because he crashed it. Uh, it was a rekit, so he basically just bought a new kit and he sold it to me at a ridiculous price. So I've been fixing it, but one of the problems that it had was that the on the crash. The, the front um, the front servo connector threads got destroyed. So basically, I had to change the entire top half of the transmission. So I I ordered new grease and I ordered that top half. So I re-greased and cleaned the gears and reassembled the transmission. So basically, the helicopter is in that state. I just need a few more parts. I need um I need a swash plate. I need a few linkages. I need the the pushtail rod. And a few bits and ends, and of course blades, and then a helicopter will be complete. Uh, but I've been taking it slow, uh, one piece at a time. But I'm very happy that I was able to do that. 
Now, remember that I mentioned that I was doing the connector thing, you know, because of the new charger and also because I wanted to solder the EC5s onto the ESC because the ESC that I got had RC Pro Plus D6 connectors. But of course, in order to, for me to use those connectors, I would have to change my entire setup because my entire setup is, is for EC5. So I would have to change everything and it would be a kind of like an expensive endeavor. So what I decided is just to stay with EC5 with the ESC. So the, so I didn't realize that the D6 is actually disassemble very easily. I mean, they, they have like two parts on the top, like two top covers and you remove that and then you get access to the bullet, then the solder and that's it. I didn't know that. So I actually completely destroyed the connector <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> and, uh, oops, <laughs> oops. <laughs> and I, and I remember just how annoying EC5s are. <laughs> and, um, I'm actually, I found a, um, an EC5 punch, a little tool that Progressive RC sells that is made to, because the, the hardest part about EC5 is getting the bullets into the casing. So mm-hmm. this little tool will help with that. So I have that on my list for the next order to be able to complete that. You know, I soldered the bullets and I had to re-remember how to solder because I had like four or five failed attempts <laughs> until I actually found the right way to do it. But it's all because I haven't done it in a very, very long time. So, uh, you know, those were a lot of good adventures. And, well, we'll, we'll get into that, um, uh, into, into, you know, our main topic. So, because I wanted to pick your head, guys, about, you know, I had a guy that reached out to me that he had some head wobbles. This is on a 570, but I guess that there can be a lot of things that, that involve head wobbles. But, you know, I'd like to pick your brains uh, just some things to, you know, to look out for or some things when, when, when building hells, but we'll get to that on the main topic. Just wanted to, to put that out there so that I don't forget, uh, kind of like make a yeah. mental note. Um, and also, uh, like, um, uh, like my friend Darren, I've been, uh, flying indoors with the, with the Nano S2. I've been trying to reteach myself how to fly because I noticed that as I progressed, I noticed that, to be honest with you, I just skipped over several of the basics. You know, I was practicing, let's say, nose in inverted, and I saw that I could more or less do it. Ah, then I moved to the next, to the next step and side in, uh, and side in hover. Ah, I kind of was able to do it. Let's move to the other side. Ah, I ca- could kind of move it. Let's move to circuit. You know, so I've kind of progressed that way. So I'm trying to go back now that I have this time in winter and, uh, and really try to focus on 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 very ba- very very basic so i'm you know doing static hovers i'm doing pirouette hovers you know very slow and i'm doing what i call squares which is basically keeping the same orientation draw a square on the air uh one way the other way and in all orientations kind of like trying to break down basics so um so that i can teach myself how to fly better and how to you know basically fly the helicopter in any orientation so I've been, nice, I've been, nice. so yeah, that's, that was, that was pretty, pretty cool. I've, I've enjoyed that very much. I finally destroyed the tail on the Nano S2 and I did a little bit of surgery on it because I had an S2, bef- uh, not, not an S2, but the CPS, but it has a different connector that goes to the, to the, let's say the flyberless unit. So I had to do a little bit of surgery because the parts were actually not in stock. So I was able to repair it and I'm able to fly it again. So that was pretty cool. And I've been uploading, well, it's been a few weeks since I haven't uploaded any videos 
to YouTube of my progression with this little training. But that's just because of the holidays. So I um, hope to, be, to get back soon. Um, sorry about that. It seems like I've been talking a lot. <laughs> hey, I, I got a couple questions, though, too. Sure. So first of all, you're you're talking about you know because you're an sab fanboy is why you had all those you know spare bearings you know that that's actually a common thing like i've literally stuck a line bearings into my logo i've stuck logo bearings into a line i've you know they those things are actually quite common parts i would never do that but yes i know i know what you mean <laughs> <laughs> it's not just an sab thing it's a, with, amongst all helicopters i know it's, but it's i wouldn't amazing put how on... many of those parts actually share from one brand to another from one yeah, model yeah. to another like there's a, a support bearing on the t-rex 500 that used to oh that's what it was ben you would probably know this i think it was the the support, huh? the bearing for the rear torque tube that supported the vertical shaft for the torque tube on a t-rex 500 i think uh -huh. it was the same bearing that fit uh in the swash following arms on the eight on the 700 and 800 i think it was right oh well that's uh it's hard for me to remember but it could yeah. be yeah. It, it seems to me because that's what I was looking. I had to replace those little fall, swash follower arms on my 800 mm -hmm. once, and my dealer up here in Canada, Manny, he he was like, "Well, he says it's actually this bearing here," and I'm like, "Oh, cool!" So I bought the, the T Rex 500 bearings instead. <laughs> yeah, I mean, as long as they're the same size, it, you know, it should fit fine. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but I would never do that. You know, three, you know, <laughs> goblin three eighty bearings into a, into five eighty into a seven hundred draw head. That would be fine. Uh, I don't know. I don't <laughs> know. Long as it's SAB, huh? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't. You know, I once I once was telling Bert that you know I don't do tattoos, but if I did, you know, I would certainly have a goblin or SAB tattoo. Believe it or not, I've actually got a T Rex 600 swash plate on my logo 690, and I've had it there for years. Damn. So, nice. wow. Yeah. <laughs> well, my logo 690, I don't know, because Donnie, I think you fly logo, don't you? Yes. Yep. Yeah. So, up here in the colder weather, it only would never happen during the summertime, it would only happen in winter flying. That's that center plastic piece would pop out of the swash plate on me. And oh, I wow. tried all kinds of things to try and keep it sticking in. And it wasn't, I'm not the only one that had that problem. It's other guys in colder climates that would have that problem. And oh. I, I had the Lynx swash plate on there for a long time, but I can't get that one anymore. So, <laughs> and my dealer was out, out of stock on the, the logo one. So I'm like, well, why don't I just see? I took, you know, went and compared it to an old T-Rex 600 swash plate I had kicking around. And wouldn't you know it, dimensions were exactly the same. So I stuck that on <laughs> and I've been flying it that way for over, for over a year now already. Flies great. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. That's all that matters. <laughs> exactly. As long as it works, right? Yeah, that's it. Nice, nice. So. All yeah. right. So, uh, well, I know that there are other podcasts that do advertisements on their, on their podcast. Some of them, you know, advertise, you know, just to help other people in the hobby or just to advertise to other companies in the hobby. And we don't do that. However, today, it's, it's going to be an exception uh, because um, there, we are going to have a small, 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 small advertisement. And it would be, and, and I'm sorry, but that's, that's going to be some, um, some very, very selfish thing to do from me. So here goes. 
Uh, basically, I just want to let uh, everyone that listens to our podcast that uh, I actually wrote my first book. Well, it's actually a short story. It's 47 pages long. And I released it on basically all major platforms, uh, Amazon, Apple Books, Kobo, you know, every base- basically any place you can get an ebook from, it's out there. It's called The End of It All. So uh, if anyone wants to go ahead and purchase that book, uh, I would greatly appreciate it. And bear in mind that although that was a very selfish and non-heli advertisement, every single fund will go actually to the Javier Rock ASC helicopter fund. So, <laughs> so it is actually <laughs> kind of related. That's awesome. How much is it? It's a four ninety nine. So it's not too bad. It's uh, it's very inexpensive. And I'm I you know I made the math. And if everyone that that downloads our podcast goes and gets one, you know, I will be very, very well on track to get that Casey flying. Well, there's the incentive, right? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So do we really want to see Javier fly a 700? I think so. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes, please do. This is going to be, you know, you know, guys, this is going to be my very first 700. I've never flown or owned a 700, so. That's wow. that's really exciting. I just yes, wish it was is. something better than an SAB. Oh, come on, there's <laughs> nothing better than an SAB. That was my dream. I mean, when I first got into helicopters and I realized that there was a 700 size and that and that you know Goblin 700 were the king. You know, I said I need to get one of those. You know, and eventually I got it, and I'm very happy about that. And I'm pretty sure actually Ben will agree because I think that he likes his raw pretty much. Oh, you know what? I do agree. It's I'm not going to lie. It's one of my favorite helis right now. <laughs> there you go. Uh, there you know. go. Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> hey, you know, it's been really reliable. It flies good. I love the the color scheme, you know, that I have, the blue. So, what more can you ask for, you know? I know. A different brand? <laughs> <laughs> well, the cool thing with Heli Direct now, I get to fly, you know, pretty much any brand, so you know, I get oh, I get to go. choose. A, I get the choice of a line. I have you know XL power. You know, maybe have a Tron soon. Who knows? Ooh, you never nice. know. <laughs> you never know. That's right. <laughs> All right. Sorry, I was saying I do enjoy my rod a lot right now, and I, well, I'm also enjoying my XL power. So can't complain. Uh, in case you guys didn't notice, I'm te- I'm considered to be the SAB hater on this podcast. So, <laughs> <laughs> couple that with an SAB fanboy, fine fine you have a dangerous combination. Well, you know, one extreme deserves the other, right? <laughs> yep. Would you feel better if I got the the new Align TB70? Well, I don't know. I I'm actually am a little bit curious about that. I think but, everybody uh, is. I, I definitely yeah. am curious yeah. about it. The uh, I'll, uh, to be honest, I mean to be honest, I really couldn't care what person if every what a person flies in re- in reality, right? As long as they're yeah. doing something, enjoying know, yeah. enjoying the hobby, right? Yeah. I I actually, I mean, I've flown a line for years. the The number one reason I currently do not have any Align helicopters is because I don't have a what I feel is a reliable supplier for a line up here in Canada anymore. Mm. My main Align dealer up here in Canada switched to XL Power. And ah. so that's also the main reason why I now fly XL Power. Well, XL Power and Logo uh, but uh, is nice. what I fly. But uh, yeah, I, that's the main reason. But I'm not opposed to 
you know, as much as I love to tease Javier about his SAB and, and a few of my other friends of mine, I love to tease them about their SAB. At the same time, it's like, it's all about enjoying the hobby really. Right. But I'm still going to keep yep. teasing people anyways. <laughs> it's all fun. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. And you know, guys, uh, you, you are, you know, because, because you can buy any kit you want, you know, the new, it would be nice. You know, there's the new SAB Goblin 700 iconic edition, you know, Getting uh getting to fly a piece of history, I mean that would be cool, like a for an alley. So we'll fly a, an old, out of date helicopter. That's it's, new again. It's it's gonna be made <laughs> new again. I mean, that's cooler than that. <laughs> Alrighty, guys. So let's let's segue then into a quick update of what you've been up to lately, guys, and then we'll just segue into that into the main topic. What do you guys think? Sounds sure. good. Sounds good. Alrighty. So let's get started since I have you first on the list here on Discord, Ben. So that, why don't we get started with a quick recap of what you've been up lately, if you've uh, been doing like any fun fly or anything uh, lately worthy of uh, sharing. Yeah, sure, for sure. Uh, no fun flies lately. You know, this time of year is kind of dead a little bit for fun flies, you know, wintertime. But I've been trying to fly as much as I can. But uh, the weather actually hasn't been the greatest here in Las Vegas, which is a little surprising. A lot of people think it's you know, nice and warm and sunny here all year round, but we do have our winter. We don't get snow or anything, but we get, you know, rain and semi cold temperatures, you know, like 40, 50 degrees. That's, you know, really cold for us. So it's just so cold. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I can't (laughs) handle it. So we're, we're wearing like five jackets at that point and, you know, freezing to death. So, (laughs) Uh, but yeah, I've been trying to fly as much as I can, you know, um, it was raining today, so I couldn't get out flying, but, um, other than flying, I like to I like to ride my bike, my bicycle. So I've been riding a lot. Last year, I did ten thousand miles on a bicycle, which wow. is a pretty good achievement for me. <laughs> it was a, a cool challenge that I was entered in, so I wanted to complete that. And is I that did, all I on the like road, 10, or uh, yeah, yeah, all on a road bike. Yep. Wow, nice. Yep, unassisted, no no electric motor, nothing like that. Just pedal pedal bicycle. So I was pretty proud of myself for that. It was it was definitely tough. It averages out to like 27, 28 miles per day for the whole year to hit that. So it's, it's a lot of Actually, I rode my bike more than I actually drove my car. So it's kind of interesting. <laughs> wow, nice. <laughs> yeah, so it's a good accomplishment. I'm not going to go for that many miles this year. I'll probably do like half of it because I, I enjoy riding and I don't want to burn myself out of it or anything. So it's just a, just a fun hobby for me. Cool. But That's yeah, other than, other than that, yeah, it's just riding my bike, flying helicopters, going to events. That's pretty much what I do. All righty. Cool, cool, cool. So, Donnie, how about you? Yeah, um, the weather here has been kind of not the best. So, uh, same like Ben, trying to get out when I can to the field. When Obviously, when you can't fly, the next thing you do is try to build more helicopters. So... I have a few kits being being built right now. One uh, is that I did pick up myself. I I got a new Tron 7.0. So that's currently being built. Nice. And I'm having a Nitro being built for me. Hopefully should be ready for the Ken Marshall event here in uh, Northern California next month. So I'm excited for that. And yeah, just been uh, kind of just enjoying life, uh, trying to surf when I can. I I live just down the street from the ocean uh, here in San Diego, so I kind of try to go surf and then go fly. 
So that's what I've been kind of up to, working on some team stuff for uh, Torque and uh, Heli-Drex. So excited for this year, too. So, yeah, that's pretty much about it. <laughs> nice, nice, nice. Yeah, yeah and cool. also also me and me and Donnie are, uh, are you know, working uh, on testing uh, yeah. some new things and stuff. So it's, uh, yeah, yeah, some new stuff coming. Uh, so, yeah, we got, so we are working on some new stuff product-wise and stuff. But besides that, I think something cool everyone's going to like. Me and Ben are in the works of working on a new thing. Uh, just me and him. Hopefully, it should be out around like the end of this month. So, putting it out there for everyone, just kind of stay tuned. Make sure you follow us on, you know, Facebook and stuff, and we'll post it pretty soon. So, we're excited yeah, about super that. Super excited. That was awfully vague. You got to give us more info than that. Come yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, guys, well, we have something here that we call, you You heard it here first, which actually we do it right at the end, uh, you know, trying to get something out of you guys, you know, especially sponsored pilots or factory pilots that, you know, are always working into something that's coming up soon. So just to get yourselves slightly into trouble, you know, uh, let us know something. All right, we'll, we'll let you know something at the end of the show. All right. You got to listen to the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah nice it's a little sneak peek for everyone right now <laughs> that's right all right awesome 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 all right so why don't we segue then into the main topic so uh basically uh we want to pick your brains uh into uh you know in into how to how to build a helicopter you know i know that nick is coming up with this huge video that's very very detailed of how to build a helicopter the right way with, with a lot of tips and tricks. But, you know, without going into, of course, such excruciating detail, just uh, wanted to kind of pick your, pick your brains a little bit about, you know, some of the building tips and how to avoid certain things like, you know, what we talked about at the beginning, how to, how to avoid the helicopter from having wobbles or from having very bad tendencies from the start so that you have a relatively good flying heli from the get-go, from the maiden. And then, of course, you have to do some tuning but at least you would be able to, to get the helicopter as best as you can on the first try. So some tips and tricks that you can share with us when, when building a helicopter. But before that, I have another selfish question. And I know that um, uh, because, because this is something that always has kind of like fascinated me, you know, the world of, uh, you know, of, of sponsored pilots. And, uh, you know, of course, without getting you into trouble or anything, Ben, you know, just a, uh -huh. uh, just a quick recap of, you know, what is it like to be a, uh, you know, a factory pilot? You know, you get involved into, of course, you get involved into the new product testing. But, you know, how much in depth do you go as, uh, as, 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 you know, as a factory pilot, you know, given your experience with Align, forgetting about, you know, what, what, what happened between Align and Heli Direct? Basically, just, you know, during your time with Align, what was it like? What were your main areas of focus or the main things that you that you did as a factory pilot? Just, uh, you know, a quick a quick overview. Yeah. Um, so obviously I flew for a line for, you know, like nine, ten years. So it was it was a quite a long time to, you know, get to know them and everything. And, um, you know, I did a lot of testing for them. I went to their factory in, in Taiwan and I did, you know, product testing, you know, new new heli that are coming out. Uh, you know, there was gyros at the time, a long time ago. I don't know if you guys remember, like the the G Pro, I think it was called, or the 3GX. Yep. Do you do you remember those? 
Oh, yeah, I so they had us. Yeah, well, they had us down there testing those, and and let me say, it was a little scary. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> you know, but we we tried our best to you know to give our inputs and stuff on those, and obviously the gyros didn't really work out for them. So, um, but yeah, but did did testing with uh, the aligned models, of course. Uh, that was a lot of fun. The most fun part of testing was actually the crash testing. Um, you know, a lot of people, <laughs> yes. <laughs> a lot of people ask me about that. Did you ever get to, you know, uh, do crash testing? I'm like, yeah, here and there, but not as much as I would like to, you know, it was a lot of fun, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, that part was fun. And, you know, giving them all my input that I could. And, you know, it's just cool to see them like take, like, I don't know, my idea and, and put it into, in, into the helicopter. It's just really cool to see that. And, uh, yeah, for sure. And I enjoyed every moment of it. So how much say did you actually have in some of the designing and, and whatnot of those of those things then? I wouldn't say like like a crazy amount. Definitely a, a little bit for sure. Uh, you know, Alan Zabo was also a part of all the testing as well. Yeah. So like I would put my input and he would put his. A lot of our inputs were pretty much on the same page. So, you know, it worked out really well. So I was thinking about this this week too when we were planning in, on, you know, planning out for this recording. And something I kind of thought of, what is it that you guys actually look for when, especially for example, for example, with a company like Align, like I'm assuming the guy who does most of the designing probably is either A, not to your flying level or might not even do a whole lot of flying at all. So what is it that you would actually look for when you're first testing a first a new prototype kind of thing? Like, is there any sort of specific thing that you would typically look for right at the beginning? For me, it's like, just make sure it doesn't like explode in the air. You know, I mean, like make sure it doesn't boom strike, make sure, you know, it doesn't fall apart. You know, that's right. What I'm looking for. I usually, when I take off, I'll fly pretty far out that way it's safe, you know, cause you just never know with a brand new model, you know? Mm-hmm. Is, and then what you move from there, then do you, from there you move on to more just flying characteristics then? Yeah. Flying characteristics, make sure the model's balanced, you know, like it's, it has a good balance to it. It doesn't like have any weird uh, tendencies like bobbles or shakes or vibrations and all that. And yeah, just stuff like that. You know, recently, obviously the new Align TB70, you guys, you guys have seen that, right? Yep. Yep. Yeah. It's uh, it's kind of funny because for years I was telling Align, I was like, you guys need to come out with a, a belt drive 700. And you know, they're like, no, 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 no. There's no market for that. No, everybody wants torque to. I'm like, not really. People like belt too, you know? <laughs> so, and they, and they did not listen to me for all those years. And then like, you know, a few months after, you know, I, I parted ways, here's the belt drive TB70. So I'm like, now you guys release it really? <laughs> but hey, you know what? That's okay. Because I, I'm sponsored by Heli Direct, so I can get one anyways, right? Oh, there you go. Right? There you go. <laughs> So let me ask you this then too. Can you, is it really noticeable difference between different airframes and whatnot then as well? When so much of our stuff is all within our gyro programming nowadays, can you, is it pretty easy to tell what is airframe and what is not, uh, you know, what would be gyro for you? Yeah, I can tell right away for sure. It's really hard to, it's really hard to explain. It's just, I don't know, like just helis fly different, even like, if you have the exact same gyro set up and the same settings, like just copy them over, two helis will fly exactly like, I mean, completely different. So it's, it's crazy. I don't know what it is, but it's just like, I guess just a different weight of the helicopter and just the way it's designed, the geometries, it just flies a little different. 
Yeah, I could uh, I can agree. Um, I, I've had two of the same models. I've had uh, almost about almost every model out there on the market, uh, or been given the opportunity to fly other people's uh, helicopters. And no matter how much you know, like like the similarities on setups, like the motors, the servos, the blades, all that, they all just feel different and. It's just, it's kind of hard to kind of figure out like or kind of explain it to someone how each helicopter flies. Um, I mean, I, I guess really it's all just, by feel. Yeah, it's all by feel. Um, ben has this, but I, I could kind of get a sense just by watching a model fly, kind of how it would fly for myself. You ever have that, Ben? Oh yeah, for like, sure, and also like, the, the way it sounds too. Yeah, how it sounds and all, you know, just how it looks like in the air without you flying it personally, you could tell how it will fly or what it, it flies exactly to another model. Yeah, so. yeah, because you're just watching it move around, like how fast it moves and whatnot. You can just tell. Yeah, exactly. Mm. Yep. And, you know, I have I have the XL Power V2 and I have, you know, obviously the SAB Ron and I have pretty much the same electronics in both. I mean, almost identical and and same same everything same gyro everything and they fly totally different it's kind of crazy okay now have you ever tried to go and see if you can get both of those to fly almost exactly the same just by retuning the the gyro no um kind of yeah i mean i like my helis pretty much to fly you know fairly close you know obviously two different models is you know like we're talking about just different um but you know make sure that the collective pitch is the same cyclic pitch i usually try to keep the same uh, that way, the you know the rotational rate's all the same and all that. But other than that, I just you know try to keep them close. But there's no way to keep them exact unless you have like two identical models. Because mm-hmm. I know like one thing I like about you know I've got the Spectre V2 and I have a Logo 690 and I do feel that man I'm running V bar on both and whatnot too. And mm-hmm. while neither of them are actually tuned the same, I do feel that they both seem to fly very similar. And I'm wondering if that's, you know, whether I've just gotten lucky in my tuning that way or whether there is some similarities to them. I mean, one is definitely full pound heavier and there's definitely a lot of some different differences between them. So maybe I just got lucky, but I do feel that the two fly very similar, especially when I compared to I used to have a T-Rex 800, which flew way different than either of those. Two. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And that's sort, of, that's sort of one of the reasons why I kind of wonder about how well you can actually notice the differences between airframes and whatnot. Yeah, I have a T-Rex 800 as well. I still have it flying right now, and it's it's a beast. You know, it's crazy. The big blades, I only run like uh, like 12 degrees of uh, collective pitch, and on my other helis, I'm running like 14, 15 degrees, so a little difference there, but it feels the same at 12 degrees. Yeah, okay. <laughs> cool. No, it's something I've always thought of anyways. Yeah, so. for sure. All right. So, Donnie, let's move over then to you. So when building a, a head for a particular helicopter, and you said that, you know, you've built uh, tons of different brands and, of course, you know, through the time, you know, what do you usually look for to try to get it as good as you can from the get go? And we're talking about, you know, head, swash, you know, the whole, uh, you, you know, the whole upper portion rotational piece, you know, from the from the servo stop. Yeah. So. For the head, a lot of manufacturers now are coming out with like different, like as you kind of mentioned, like you know baubles and stuff. Uh, a lot of people, uh, when when they get a kit, sometimes they don't know 
that the manufacturer, like let's say the Tron or, or SAB, uh, they come out with different um, dampeners from either in the in the actual helicopter that come with the kit. Isn't always the right dampeners uh, or, uh, yeah, the dampeners or the washers you need uh, in the head for your flying style. I'm, I know, um, let's say, for more of an aggressive flying, like saying this Tron, uh, they give you 70 in the inners and then on the outers of the dampeners, they give you 90s. Someone like me and Ben, for more of aggressive, hard, uh, harder 3D, to get the most out of our heads, we would go, uh, which I'm putting in mind, a 90 on the outer and a 90 in the inner. So kind of like things like that, I always look for making sure I have the right dampeners. Uh, obviously, you know, I don't want something more for like a sport flyer or like a like a mid-mild 3D because uh, I know from, from that, that could cause... Uh, definitely a lot of head problems and then um i know some kits uh just making sure you know kind of reading up on the helicopters too making sure some need uh in the head need more grease than other helicopters or looking through the manuals it tells you how much grease you know you should pack the head with because i've had that experience with helicopters where there's not that enough uh there's on like one model i would build you know, you would you would put a certain amount of grease and it'd be fine. But the next one, you would need twice as much grease in there to prevent like head bobbles or shakes. So kind of like things like that, I always make sure. And uh, if you get like a lot of kits or some some kids come with uh, the head pre-assembled and a lot of people think it's ready to go. You know, you just slop it in uh, and put the put it in the, on the main shaft and just tighten that uh, head bolt up and uh, go. Um, but a lot of times you need to take apart a lot of the head and the swash, you know, piece by piece, clean the bolts and uh, lock tighten them again from the factory. So I feel like a, uh, I've seen some problems with that in the past with helping people. They think it's uh, ready to go and it's not. So always check your uh, bolts, even if it comes pre-assembled from the fa- factory. Just read the manual, mostly follow the manual, go with your, you know, experience from building kits um and uh yeah that's kind of kind of what i've i've kind of do um uh nothing too fancy but that's about what i usually do when building kits okay so, yeah. okay yeah. yeah that's that's a good point I, I hadn't thought about the grease that's that's a good point because as i mentioned in the beginning i had someone that reached out to me because i have a you know i have on my signature on helifreak what helicopters i have and i have a 570 so he reached out to me because he also is having issues with the, with the 570. He says that, you know, he's done everything he can think of. He's basically swapped out the entire, all the parts on the head. He's tried out the O-rings because there's an option to do either two O-rings or the or O-ring coupled with a Delrin dampener. So he's done that on, on the head. And he uh, he wanted me to, you know, to share with him because we both fly VVAR, you know, what settings I had on gain. And on agility, so I shared that with him. But he says that he's also played around with those values as well, and he cannot, he cannot just get out those wobbles. So the the gear is a good point. I told him, you know, he has good servos in there. He has expert servos. But I told him, you know, maybe that particular model brand of servos, you know, doesn't just like the head. I don't know. I mean, it's one more thing to to check as well. I mean, not that they're about servos. They're maybe they just don't don't like the geometry. So I told him, you know, if there's another set of servers that you that that you can swap out you can at least eliminate that variable 
but I hadn't thought about the grease, and that's a good point. And actually, lately, well, actually for the raw, before I've been using, you know, the Synergy bottle loop, basically for mm-hmm. practically everything. But lately, I I don't know where I read it. Uh, I think it was Freak also that, you know, there's people that are using gun grease because, you know, there's some people that, that like guns and like helicopters as well. So they, they said that they use gun grease because, of course, gun grease is designed for, you know, practically what a helicopter does, which is high, high speeds and high temperatures. So, so I tried that and this is the first time that I'm going to be trying it. I'm packing everything with, with actual gun grease on, on, on the heads and seeing how that will work for me. But it seems to be, seems to be a pretty good grease, but, uh, you know, this is the first time that I'm going to be trying it and hopefully it's good. But, you know, I don't anticipate any, any issue. It, it feels, it feels, uh, you know, the consistency feels pretty good. Uh, a little bit, uh, you know, a little bit, uh, not stickier, but, just a little bit more consistent than the, than the bottle loop, so I'm hoping that 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 that'll be uh, a good choice. But uh, but yeah, I'll I'll share that fi- that feedback as well, Johnny. Thank you. Yeah, um, as you mentioned, that guy did he ever figure it out or? No, he just uh, reached out to me recently, and uh, oh, you know okay. this this episode recording you know just came up. You know, I think he reached out to me yesterday. So you know, it's, oh, it's very okay. recent. It's very recent. And I and I told him about you know my input about changing the servos and I had to you know since I'm not flying I had to you know get my helicopter out and turn it on because I of course I didn't remember what were my my radio you know my gain settings so I uh, just put in a battery in there and I and I gave him my values so that he could compare but yeah so hopefully he'll he'll listen to this and if not I'll just reach out to him uh, because actually this this will be released until the twenty sixth so I'll probably just reach out to him and uh, let him know to. To try also, you know, more more amounts of grease. I mean that that that's a good point, especially probably if he's using the uh, the O rings instead of the dampers. I'm using the O rings mm-hmm. and I haven't had an issue. Okay, yeah, I was gonna also mention, kind of relating to that is, uh, yeah, it could be the servos. I've had a, a pair of experts, uh, I think R twos, and uh, on the bench they were fine. But uh, previous, they were in a crash uh, that I I had and they were, but they were fine. Uh, I put pressure on the servos, nothing, you know, they wouldn't slip or anything. And once I was in the air uh, and did a flip, it would like shake, just like have this like, like bobble every time I would flip the helicopter or even give it like a, like any, any pitch, but in a hover, it would be fine. And I thought it was something in the head. I thought it could be the fly wireless system. And then I just happened, as someone mentioned, even though the servos look fine or not making no noise or not slipping or anything, just to switch them out. And I switched them out and they were fine. The The problem went away. Uh, it wasn't the head. It wasn't the fly wireless systems. It was actually the servos. So it could be his servos too. So that, I had, that a, was I had a similar issue too. On yeah. mine, but mine, mine turned out to be a gyro that was bad after a crash. Yep. Yeah, it was kind of like the same thing. You would do like flips and then it would shake like really bad and like, what the heck? And mm-hmm. then you go into a hover and it'd be solid. And, you know, I, I thought at first I thought it would maybe it was a servos because it was a pretty bad crash. So I ended up changing the gyro first because it was easier and I had to change the servos. So I'd swap the gyro and it was fine after that. So. Not sure what happened in, in the gyro and the crash. Maybe the board like broke loose or something, or who knows? Yeah. Oh. Yeah. Okay. That's Good. that's pretty interesting. 
yeah. it could be anything, you know, but, you know, I fly a Futaba gyros, obviously, the 760R, so I just, you know, pack it up and send it back to them, waiting to hear back uh, if they find out what's wrong with it or not. Okay. All right. Yeah. All right. Those are good recommendations. Thank you. So, uh, mm -hmm. Ben, anything else uh, for the head that you might think of? I mean, Donnie touched on a great point, which was the grease. I was going to say that, too. Uh, it's, I think it's very important to make sure you have the, the right grease and the right amount of grease in there. So, and, you know, because if you don't have any grease, you're probably going to have some bobbles as well, you know. So right. it's definitely really, really important. And also what's important is to follow the manual. I know a lot of people are like, oh, I don't need to look at the manual. I've built, you know, so many helis and... Mm -hmm. And this and that, but you know, over time with the new models that come out, they the uh, the instruction manu manuals actually get better. And uh, you know, like for instance, the SAB manual is, in my opinion, next level. I think it's one of the best manuals out there right now. So, a lot of people they don't even look at the manual, you know, and they run into these problems. And some of the problems could be solved by just following the manual. You know. Yeah. All right. Good points. Good points. All right, so um, let's let's move on to the to the second, I guess, biggest component of the heli, which would be the tail. So again, Donnie, let's get started with you. So, what about you know when uh, when assembling the tail? With the tails, you, you know, we we're talking that. I mean, on the market, there's there you, which is mostly now moving to belt. Uh, you have torque and belt. Um, honestly, for the tails, I'm trying to remember. Or try and figure for the tails. I've always feel like they they go pretty. It, it's not as too complex as like the head uh, running into tail problems. But it's always uh, good if you have a wag or a, a, or like a vibration coming from the tail. It could always be the build. So just kind of making sure you follow the manual. I know some on some on some of some helicopters they actually you know and, and well actually. You, um, you know, make sure you just follow it. If you, you know, need grease, you know, make sure you put grease. I know a lot of times people put, um, and I put like, like the lubricant. So like the dry flu fluid, both on the gears, if it's a torque tube to help save the gears or the fluid on the shafts. So it, it, um, I always look for a little tip is I, I always make sure with it this with the servo connected or well actually with the servo disconnected uh with the pitch slider i can move the the tail on the shaft easily it shouldn't be always bind up like super hard you have to push because when you connect the servo the ser servo has to work twice as hard so always make sure you know put some lubricant on the shaft to help lubricate it and make it uh smoother and not as stiff so things like that for the tail i i look for and add All right, all right. Uh, ben, any more input? Yeah, um, so a lot of times people have like tail vibrations and stuff, you know, like like a tail hum or something. And uh, for me, I used to have this problem with my line, you know, and I had a bad tail hum on this one model. And I was like, what is the problem? You know, I've changed tail blades, I've changed the tail shaft, I've changed, you know, everything is brand new and it's just has this, this hum, you know. And it was only at a, like a certain RPM. And it's funny because uh, the way I found out was I was just like looking at the helicopter one day and I was spinning the main gear and I was looking at the motor and I'm like, what the hell? It looks like the, the can of the motor is bent, you know? And it was, I guess it was in a crash and it like bent the can of the motor. And I didn't even realize it. And I was like, I wonder if it's that like resonating through the frame and then it's causing a tail hum. 
So I changed the motor, put a brand new motor in, and it was like silent. So a lot of times when you have like a tail vibration, sometimes it's not really the tail. It just sounds like it is. It's, it could be, I don't know, a bent main shaft or a bent motor can, right? That resonates to the tail. And now it sounds like a tail hum. So you got to keep that in mind. It's pretty interesting. And for like building, uh, like Donnie said, just make sure everything's lubed up, everything's smooth. Make sure, uh, make sure your tail thrust bearings are in the right way. I've, I've had a lot of people mm, that, yep. you know, you know, <laughs> they, they're like, I don't know what's wrong with my tail. It seems smooth on the, on the bench, but then when I go fly it, it's wagging and it's, you know, I feel like it's locking up. I'm like, just take apart your tail make sure your thrust bearings are in the right way and make sure they're greased and then, you know, go from there. But, but yeah, other than that, that's, that's about it on the tail. All right. All right. Well, talking, actually talking about thrust bearings. And I've and I've been hearing this a lot, and I don't know if that is something that's hugely significant or not, because you know, on all my time that I've been in the hobby, I don't think I've ever changed the thrust bearings. I mean, I us- you know, I put them the right way, the larger diameter and the and, and the smaller diameter. I always put them in the right place, and I yeah. always try to kind of like put the cage towards the inside, you know, to to kind of like have this idea that you know in theory it's still sealed <laughs> by by the two uh, by the two covers let's say or, or by the two inner races but but it i still put it a little better yeah i i just put it to hold the grease a little bit better but but i've never changed and, I'm, and i've had you know small crashes and i've had really bad crashes you know once i forgot to put lock tight into a helicopter and it basically ate up the transmission you know Ooh. i've had like really big yeah. big crashes and some, you know, regular small crashes. But on all of my crashes, I usually just change radial bearings because they they are notchy, right? I've never yeah, found yeah. a bad thrust bearing. So um, I just wanted to to know, you know, I know that that people that do, that do like overspeeds say that they kill the thrust bearings also. But you know, what's a good way to to identify bad bad thrust bearings that you can actually see and you say, oh, it's time to change those. Well, uh, visually, so, you know, in order to really tell, you have to take apart the head or the tail, whatever thrust bearing it is. You take it, take the thrust bearing out and you can see where the, you know, the little, the little balls are inside the thrust bearing, right? Well, sometimes when, when they get bad or, or, you know, or get old, the little balls will actually fall out. Like they'll be gone. (laughs) And then that's a good indicator that, hey, I need to put new thrust bearings in. And then also you can see the little hole, like where the ball is inside there it'll be like elongated instead of round, it'll be like, you know, elongated. And that's also a good sign that you need to uh, replace your thrust bearings. And the way you can kind of tell in the air, at least for the head thrust bearings, like that they're going bad is like, if you're doing, I don't know, like, like stationary flips or TikToks or anything, you'll notice your blades will actually go out of track a little bit, like during the maneuver, like you'll be hovering, it'll be in track and then you'll do the maneuver and then you'll see that the blades are out of track. So that's a really good sign that your head thrust springs are going bad. Ah, interesting. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't seen that before. They usually last quite a long time, though. I mean, oh, for the tail, it's it's hard to tell with the tail. For me, I can kind of tell when the tail thrust springs are going when uh, my tail doesn't feel as locked in as normal. Like it, it's a little kind of wandering a little bit. It's not completely locked in like you know it's normally. That's how I notice mine. Okay. 
Okay, nice. That's but good like because I said, the, the thrust bearings last quite a long time. As long as you keep them like uh, maintained and make sure, like you know, I don't know, every fifty to sixty flights, like take them apart and like regrease them, make sure they're greased good. Mm-hmm. They should last quite a long time. <laughs> I okay. crash before that happens. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah obviously, if you crash, you know, if you crash, you could probably you know damage the thrust bearings, but. It's always worth like taking it apart and just checking like after a crash and just make sure everything's good. Right. And not only just with the thrust bearings, but everything else, obviously, you know, links and anything that could be, you know, damaged. Cause you know, obviously if you don't fix that and you forget about it and you go fly again, it could cause another crash, you know, it's not fun. Oh yeah. Yeah. Those happen to me a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm uh, I've, I've always said that, you know, if, if if there was a perfect job for me, it would probably be quality assurance because everything breaks for me. The weirdest <laughs> things happen to me. Whatever whatever doesn't happen to anyone, you know, always I have an issue, you know, a really weird issue, and you know, no one has ever had it. I'm the yeah, only that's one that I seems feel. to have it. That's how I feel. <laughs> we don't need a repeat of your fly barless stories, have you? <laughs> yeah. Oh my gosh. You know, I just just uh, just just to give you a, a quick example, guys. You know, I found the one model of the one brand of a satellite receiver that does not work with the Spirit Flyerless that causes a big issue. You know, even the even even the you know the guy um, that designed the Flyerless said, you know, I'm I'm stumped. You know, it's just it has to be that. <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't know why it ha- why it was happening. But I found the one the one brand of of of, of receiver. And the one type of receiver of that brand that doesn't work. So, oh my gosh, that was horrible. All right. So, um, so what, what else, guys? Uh, what about the uh, pinion transmission, you know, motor combination, all of that? I know that there's a whole, you know, we could probably do a whole podcast about, you know, gear ratios and motors, but, you know, let's, let's go just with, you know, general recommendations for checking the the whole transmission motor assembly okay all right yeah so the transmission like you talk about like the main gear pinion like that kind of thing yep um okay yeah so obviously with the raw it's like you know all enclosed so you really don't have to worry about like gear mesh right i mean but um it's you know so i guess it's just a belt so you got to make sure your belt is tensioned correctly which for me, I'm kind of, it's kind of a learning curve for me still. Um, I'm used to having a, a gear mesh, you know, obviously with a line. So I, I never had to deal with any belts really. So I'm still kind of learning like what's too tight or like what's too loose. But, um, you know, I've found that it's almost a little better to be maybe a little bit loose because I had it one time I had it a little too tight and it just like, you know, you could just tell it was straining the motor a little bit extra. And, you know, you come in for an auto and you have like no float time. So I ended up like loosening my, my tail belt and also the main a little bit and actually increased the overall power of the helicopter. So that was, that was interesting for me. And also I got like maybe like 20, 30 seconds more flight time just by like making sure my belt wasn't too tight. So, you know, it's a learning curve for me, but, um, for like your gear mesh, like on a line, obviously with the line helicopters, you don't really have much adjustment. You know, uh, it's kind of just set like where it's at and the gear mesh is good. So I never really had to deal too much with that. Obviously with the, the V2, you do have to, to set the, the gear mesh. I just make sure it's not too tight. Uh, you want like just a little bit of backlash, you know, not, not nothing too crazy, just a little bit, you know, 
and it should be good. But um, yeah, that's about it. Um, Donnie, you have anything else to add? Um, not really. Kind of went over everything. Can I ask a bit of a follow up here, uh, Ben? As far as the gear gears on the align, because I've seen a yeah. lot of guys on on different forums talk about they feel that the the gear the backlash on the align gears, especially for the torque tube itself, is far too much backlash. Yeah, Do a little you bit ever excessive. Have to feel like you never ever needed to go and uh, put spacers in or try and adjust that using different spacers on the bearings or on, and in different locations to try and get that better. So, uh, you know, um, recently uh, with the new tail gears, the the red ones, I think. Oh, actually, I think they're blue now. Well, either way, the new red ones that came out, they had these little washers that actually they included with the tail gear. Okay. You know, because at first, like, the gear mesh would be pretty good. I mean, it might be a little loose. And then over time, maybe, like, 40 or 50 flights in, it would actually get, you know, a little more sloppy. And at that point, uh, Align advised you to put this little washer in to make it tighter, you know. But for me, it's like I'm at 50 flights, right? I might, if I'm going to take it out, I might as well just put a new set in, right, and not even worry about putting like a washer and then putting it back in and then maybe getting, I don't know, 20, 30 more flights before it strips for me, you know? Cause I, I knew my lines pretty well. I, I would get like 50, 60 flights and then I'd, I'd know my, my tail gears are getting ready to go. You know? So I would just replace it before then, which is another reason I really like belt drives. I don't have to worry about the tail stripping out. <laughs> <laughs> what were you actually looking for then when you noticed a little bit of extra gear last, just you, like, did you look at notice something while flying or was it more on the bench no nah, to be honest you really can't feel it in the air um it's more on the bench you can just feel it's really sloppy and you know okay. you know you're getting ready to uh you know strip out the tail gear if you do like a maneuver that's you know a little right rudder heavy <laughs> you might strip the tail gear out nice 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 all right um so we've gone uh through the head of the helicopter we've gone through the tail of the helicopter well we didn't talk about you know, uh, a little bit uh, more in the tail, you know, talking about tail ratios. I know that there's some brands that have a good amount of options for tail ratios, and there's some that don't. I know that you guys fly fly hard 3D, and usually they recommend, you know, to have a faster tail when you uh, are doing lower head speed. So what are your, your thoughts about that? And so there's no uncomfortable silence. Let's get started with Donnie. I, I okay, so I remember uh, when I was when I I was flying XL Power, you know they give you the two options, one for more of a sped up and one more for like a sped down um, uh, uh, tail ratio. For for the longest, I was I think it was the for the the more you know harder three D. I think it was just you know stock until I went to a sped up tail uh ratio um i forget what it was and then i went to i think it was forgot how we did it because on a, on the team a few of us went uh sped up on the tail and then i think we went lower on the main pinion and then i think xl had made a new gear that was bigger and um it, it was it felt a little bit I, in my opinion more locked in overall the whole helicopter especially in the tail and that was the kind of the only time I've fooled with like the ratio of uh, uh on the tail. Yeah, that's all I could recall from from doing that. Not too much of a, uh experience in that field. I don't know. How about you, Ben? 
Um, not not too experienced either. I mean, you know, obviously with my line stuff, that it yeah. came pretty much. Uh, you know, twenty three tooth was the, the account for the seven hundred, and that was pretty much the only option. They had like a, a twenty two tooth, which would I think speed up the tail. And then you know, I, in my opinion, I think a model should have maybe a slower tail but bigger tail blades. In my opinion, um, I've tried the two different ones on the V two. Um, I tried running one hundred five tails with the fa- with the faster tail, and it was okay. It just I don't know. And then I put the the slower tail and the bigger tail blades. So I'm running the one one sixteens. I think they are. And in my opinion, I, I like that a little bit better. It just I don't know, hard to explain, just seems more smooth. So are, first of all, are you guys both high head speed guys or low head speed guys? Like what kind of head speeds do you guys usually run for a 700 size? I'm running like 20, 2250, 2300 on a 700. Donnie? I'm 2150 or 22. Okay. And I got to add, I think, like, so where I live, I live in Las Vegas and the altitude's like maybe 2000 yeah. feet. Which is a little higher than where Donnie is. Donnie's at sea level, obviously, right? Um, mm-hmm. And the alt- altitude air density does make a big difference with helicopters. Yeah. So I think the difference in that 2,000 feet is like maybe why I have to run maybe 100, 150 higher than Donnie to make it feel the same as his does back there in a 2150. Yeah. Yeah, because I, at home it's always fast for me. And then when I travel, it's slow. And, yeah. and the same thing with pitch. It's I'm usually about like thirteen to fourteen, and then I have to go up a little bit to fourteen or or more when I travel yeah. to like Arizona or Las Vegas or say so. And then when Ben comes here, he has to it's, it's it's opposite. He has to go down, uh, which yep. is kind of fun and seeing him having to go down. Um, but yeah, 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 I gotta yeah, it's I gotta lower my head speed like probably a hundred, and then maybe about a half to one degree of uh, collective pitch when I go to, to sea level. Yeah. I've noticed the same thing with my helis too. You know, I live pretty right on the West coast and the, into, you know, right on sea level here too. And then when I go out to my hometown of Kamloops, which is a few thousand feet above, I definitely notice too, that I need to go and uh, increase mm-hmm. my head speed or increase the pitch or a little bit of both as well. So you're right. It definitely makes a big definitely. difference. Yeah. I, I'm so thinking, uh, there- go ahead. Uh, I was gonna say there was a fun fly that I went to last year in uh, I think it was it was October. It was the Fernley, Nevada uh, fun fly, and and the altitude there was like a mile high, like five thousand fifty five hundred feet up. That was it's probably the the highest elevation I've ever been to at a fun fly. So I went up there and you know and I increased my pitch almost like two degrees. I was running like sixteen degrees of pitch. It's crazy, and like twenty three fifty. And and the way the helicopter flew was like it was slow. It was like it was almost like like I would run like thirteen and fourteen here, and I'm running sixteen over there with almost twenty four hundred head speed, and it feels the same. It's just it's strange. <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, so yeah, and, and I didn't. I was like, oh, let's just. I, I turned it up on the gyro. I didn't really put a pitch gauge on. I just kind of turned it up on the gyro and just went by feel. You know what felt good for me. And then, uh, and I, I was bored during the day and I was like, oh, let's put a pitch gauge on. Let's just see what, what it is and what it actually is. So, and I did that and it was like 16 or 16 and a half. I'm like, holy crap, that's a lot. I didn't realize it was that high. <laughs> now, do you notice then though too, that the head speed can make a difference on the tail as well? Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Like, but it's kind of the same. It's kind of the same it? difference. Like when you raise your head, when you raise your head speed, you're obviously raising your tail speed, right? 
But then if you're at a higher elevation, you have less air density. So it's almost kind of the same in a way, you know, like your gains, they won't change too much because you just raise the head speed to make the difference. Now, I'm also thinking even just for back home again, when you're picking a head speed and playing around, are you also looking at the tail performance when you're trying to figure out the right head speed for what you're looking for then as well? For, then yeah, for, yeah. 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 Because I find that, you know, um, like if I lower my head speed, uh, like maybe 2100, 2000, obviously my tail is not as good as, you know, what it's, what it is at 2350. So. And I guess you that's know, it's where, just, sorry. Go ahead. No, you just, yeah, you're probably going to say you just kind of have to have that fine balance, you know, you know, how you want your head to feel and the tail, you know? Well, and I guess that's where I sort of asked too, where you, you taught said earlier, you prefer longer tail blades over higher speed. Yeah. And I guess, so I'm also wondering about why, you know, how, what do you think that makes a difference in that way? Cause like I noticed, uh, with my XL power, I've got the, the V2. And mm-hmm. I, I literally only got it this summer. And I noticed it right at the beginning too, is I was having a few tail issues with the stock gear ratio and 105 tails. And we had yeah. actually had Nick Maxwell on and he suggested running the 105s. And I was thinking about running the higher tail speed gear, the speed up gear, which I actually yeah. still need to order yet. But I, and I ended up going and trying to put in some 115s on there instead. And that does definitely did feel better and it seems to be holding far better than what i was expecting but i guess my other thing thought for me was i'm you know i'm running 710s on on my rotor on my v2 so i wanted to make sure i wasn't going to have contact but the other catch that i always find too is i fly at a grass field and our grass isn't always super short and i hate having those blades always digging into the grass all the time and and getting yeah. getting tiny little micro chips and whatnot and that's why i was thinking about maybe running the v the higher speed tail but now listening to you talk about you seem to prefer 115s over 105s on that helicopter i'm i'm kind of thinking whether or not i should maybe just stick with the 115s and not worry about the speed up tail because i don't like to run higher head speeds either i'm only running 1850 on my okay, on yeah. helicopter. So I want to okay. keep it. I like the lower head speeds myself personally. So I, that's sort of what I'm kind of curious about then is what would be better, whether the high speed tail or the, the longer blades. Yeah. I think, um, you know, when you speed up the tail, you're obviously the tail's spinning faster, right? So maybe you're more, it's more prone to vibrations at that point And maybe things can wear out faster because it's actually spinning more revolutions. Right. Uh, in my mm-hmm. opinion, I think it's better to have it slower and then just a bigger tail blade, but that's just my opinion. Donnie? Yeah, I mean, I I, I mostly run... I, man, I've, I I never really pulled too much with the XL when I was doing that. Uh, to give any input on that, I always ran 105s, and I mostly run on all my birds 105s. That's kind of where I'm at. I just you haven't experimented with higher, bigger tail blades or anything like that. A, a little bit. Um, I just not not really. Just because the times I have, they usually don't last that long. Because I was <laughs> sometimes I drag the t- tail and uh-huh. I was you know tip it and uh and that's I think that's where I, that's why I gave up on the the XL on the V one. I I just kept on heading the tail tail blades and uh, yeah. I just I don't know. I just I prefer one hundred fives. I feel like I I get I know where by heart where the gains should be at and and they work for me so 
I just stick with that. So yeah. <laughs> okay. You know, I run one Oh fives on my, on my SAB raw. So I think the, the raw has a different ratio than maybe the V2. Probably. Yeah. I've, yeah, cause yeah, I've, I've, I've to see what the ratio I've is. never put, yeah, I've never put like one fifteens on the raw. Cause I just feel like with, even with the one Oh fives, it's the tail is great, you know? And I noticed with the V2, when I first, when I first got it, I had the, the one Oh fives with the slower tail, you know, and it just wasn't enough tail authority for me. So that's when I put the one fifteens on. Mm-hmm. Like even when I compare to my logo six ninety, I'm always amazed that you know the 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 tail performance on my logo six ninety mm-hmm. just seems to be nice and solid and and great. And mm-hmm. I can seem, I mean, I'm no hard smack pilot by any means, but even with my little bit of beating on it, yeah, the tail holds with the stock one hundred fives and everything. It seems to hold great, but with the you know bigger seven tens and uh, on the on the V two. It seemed like the 105s, I was definitely having some minor tail issues. And it wasn't, they yeah. weren't big issues. They were just minor, but it was enough to sort of bug me going, yeah, I'd like to do something about that, you know? Yeah, that makes sense. Well, uh, there's, uh, I think, one uh, last bit that I would like to talk about. And that's, um, you know, Loctite and uh, and bolts. I know that, you know, there's there's people that are, you know, more prone to using the uh, grease-resistant Loctite. There's people that use red Loctite, um, special people that, you know, do EU nitros. Um, or, <laughs> or, you know, <laughs> uh, or some people that, you know, like me, I what I do is that I, uh, I think it was Telerotor that they said that, you know, uh, I used to clean my bolts with isopropyl alcohol, but they said that, you know, any percentage that's not alcohol in that is water, and that creates rust. So, I started using 100% acetone to clean them. So I just wanted to get your guys' thoughts into, you know, um, do you get into the habit of, you know, cleaning, uh, cleaning bolts? If so, you know, what do you use to clean them? And uh, what types of Loctite do you use? And in which pieces of the helicopter you might use some, some types of Loctite versus others? I know that there's also you know, green Loctite, which is usually a bearing uh, retainer to fill in the gaps. So I uh, wanted to kind of like get your your ideas into the overall, you know, use of Loctite and uh, and cleaning of uh, of screws overall within the helicopter. So let's get started. Uh, I think this time with Ben. Okay, yeah, for sure. So I think it definitely is very important to clean your bolts on a on a new kit, especially you know, because you you when you start pulling the the parts out of the bags, you, you'll notice that some of the bolts are are very oily, you know, from the factory. And obviously, if you leave it like that and you put just put Loctite over, it's not really gonna it's not really gonna bond very good. You know, it's it's not gonna work. So uh, I usually clean my bolts, and I use the isopropyl alcohol as well, and I clean them, and and then obviously put uh, Loctite, and and it seems fine, works good for me. I don't have any problems with rust, like you were saying, but uh, it seems good. Uh, I use just standard regular blue Loctite, the you know the two forty three thread uh, thread lock, and it seems fine. Uh, red, I'll use red on certain bolts, you know, like for instance, like, uh, the tail shaft, the, the grub screw in that I'll use red because that is very prone to coming loose. At least it is for me. And then the green, obviously the retaining compound for bearings, uh, use that like certain bearings that are kind of like loose fitting or you want to say, I'll use green for that to make sure they're, they're solid in there. So there's no slop or anything. Um, but yeah, I think that's, that's about it for Loctite for me. Anything else you want to add, Donnie? 
Uh, no, yeah, mostly just yeah. Always clean your uh, bolts and and uh, and stuff. There's different types of screws that come in the kit. Uh, once you get the kit, and yeah, just you know, a lot of times the manuals always tell you where to put the the either the blue, the green, or the red Loctite, and uh, yeah, usually that's a, yeah, usually where the sp- uh, correct spots you're supposed to put it on. Um, though I've had a lot, a uh, few kids where I ran and, you know, obviously I clean, we cleaned the bolts and, uh, got them all in there. And about like, I would say probably 10 flights or so they would, uh, some bolts would just start backing out. And, uh, some, some manufacturers don't use the best bolts. And, uh, I noticed I had to switch them out or I would run even on the frame. Some places you, uh, wouldn't wear, uh, put red Loctite, you would put red Loctite for myself. So. Sometimes it's better uh, to buy better quality uh, screws and uh, and nuts sometimes uh, for certain kits. Uh, so that's just the thing I've found out. Um, you know, sometimes I knew um, a line uh, had made a long time ago. They made this uh, like a box full of like the different types of screws and stuff. And uh, me and my dad had gotten that and uh in the in the years with using that we've used pretty much all of them just replacing different bolts from different kits uh that would strip easily easily easier than other bolts and uh yeah so always might be worth switching out bolts uh some don't just work with loctite i feel like um just uh, cheaper quality um but uh yeah just follow the manual uh and you'll be good so, yeah. yeah, and and don't and don't over tighten anything because you know yeah. obviously you yeah. can strip out your bolts and stuff like that. Some some are like Donnie was saying, some bolts will aren't aren't as good quality, so they'll actually strip out a little easier. And of course, you want them tight, but you don't you don't want them like overly tight. You know, the Loctite will do its job of holding it in place. You know, right, right. And uh, yeah. what about too much Loctite versus too little t- Loctite? What I've been doing for a while now is uh, you know I've heard that advice of you know there's the, too much loctite is not good so what i've what i've been doing is that i put the loctite on like uh you know uh these kits come and every time you crash you get a gazillion bags with spares and in the kit there's like a whole bunch of bags so i use one of the empty bags just pour loctite into it and then i dip the bolt and then i go to a part of the bag that is clean and just kind of like roll it there so, and what I do is that I just try to make the threads of the bolt visible and basically remove all the excess Loctite, you know, running it like that on, on an empty, on, on an empty piece of, of the plastic so that the Loctite is visible only in between the threads and you, and, and the threads are actually visible. So I don't know, do you guys uh, do that or do you guys just like to, you know, uh, apply uh, more Loctite? What are your thoughts on that? Yeah. So, <laughs> I feel like throughout the years in the hobby, I've heard both stories from putting, you know, like just like a dab, um, which is kind of crazy, just a small, a little bit to, you know, medium to like a, a lot. And uh, I, I think I, I just, I forget, I think it was, um, I forget who it was, someone uh, close by had always told me it's, uh, you were, you would, ra- he, he, he's had uh, bolts come out and, uh, from the head and stuff or, or some cre- uh, crucial part of the helicopter and cause a crash. And always told me, uh, in his opinion, it's always, it's never a bad idea to put too much 
and and have have to deal with it when you take it out of the frame or wherever during like a crash after like a crash or something but with you could either heat it up and worst case you know grind it out uh then have it come out in midair so for us we usually put about a good minimal amount and we usually after just a good hard turn or a little heat they usually pop out um so that's that's usually where i'm at um i rather have it have a hard time getting out on the bench than it having over time wear out and then coming out um i don't know with uh ben but i've noticed uh i feel like a lot like uh the harder you fly or so uh sometimes or just you know as many flights you put on it it, it wears out over time so i always notice I, some bolts coming out so i rather put a little bit extra so it it, it stays in there a little bit longer yeah. So for me, I think it's, uh, very important to, to, um, like where, where the bolt is going to, to note that. So like if the, if, if you're doing like the, the spindle bolt where it's, it's going where the bearings are or something, right. You don't want to put too much Loctite because some of it might escape when you're, you know, threading it in and then actually, uh, gum up like the bearings, you know, and that's very bad. You don't want that. So I think if you're going to do like the spindle, you want to be very careful and, and put enough Loctite, but not excessive. You know, I think the bag, the bag idea is a great idea for something mm-hmm. like that, you know, um, but for like when you're building the frame where there's like no bolt or, or, I mean, I'm sorry, bearing or anything like that to gum up, it's not as important, but still you don't want it like excessive to where like when you tighten it down, it's like, you know, coming out all over the place. So just, yeah. just enough, you know, just enough, but not like too much, you know? <laughs> But yeah. Okay. okay. Another question then. What about old Loctite on a screw? Do you remove that? Uh, yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, for sure. Like, uh, I mean, I use isopropyl alcohol for that too. It, it helps remove it. Or if it's like really gummed up in like an old boat bolt, sometimes I'll just like replace the bolt. Like, because I have like Donnie was saying um, that aligned like kit of all the bolts. It's like the mm, you know yeah. they have like every single bolt for a line helicopter. So Love I have, those I have that. And, yeah, yeah, it's great. And like after using a screw for so many times, it's like all right, it's time to replace this. I'll just toss it out and put a new one in. You know. Yeah. No, that, those kits are great. Have you either yeah. of you guys tried? I've been hearing lately. I haven't tried it yet, but I've been hearing lately about some blue Loctite that actually is supposed to be able to be applied even when the screw is nut and bolt is oily and greasy have either of you guys oh, wow. that? i've never heard of that that's awesome though yeah, yeah. me either uh huh. i can't remember who it was i saw it on Hel- on heli hangout a few times guys are talking about a, a loctite and apparently it's actually not new it's just not popular and yeah, it fine. works in you don't actually have to cre- clean the oil and grease off of the screw. You can just literally apply it. It's designed to work with nuts and bolts and screws that are already greasy. Wow. Well, yeah. I need to definitely get me some of that. Uh, that, that would yeah. save a lot of time. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what I've heard as well. I don't know whether to, you know, whether I would be trusting that. I mean, it's not that I don't believe guys because, you know, I'm pretty sure that, you know, would have heard stories, but I don't know. It's just kind of like, you know, my OCD probably to, you know, to be, to have in the back of my mind that, you know, I made my, my, my due diligence and I cleaned the balls. But yeah, I think it's, I think, what is it? 242, I think is locked out. So I think it's 243. Like yeah. yeah. So, so it's like, 
242, you know, the, the grease resistance is just one, one number off on, on yeah, the, on the so. same model. It's just one, oh. the last number just changes and that's the, the grease resistant, resistant lock type. Nice. Nice. Oh. That's what yeah, I'm going to um, get back Yeah. Okay. Try it and then let me know. <laughs> I won't, <laughs> I won't try it myself. Also, you, uh, also one thing to, to note on Loctite too, if you look on your bottles of Loctite, they actually give you an expiration date on them. I don't know if you guys ever, ever yes. looked at that, but, but, uh, I had a, like a big bottle of Loctite and I was using it for years and I, and I looked at it, I'm like, this thing's expired like four years ago. And I was like wondering <laughs> why my, my bolts are coming out. That's probably why. <laughs> so, I, so I ended up buying a new bottle of Loctite, you know, <laughs> I wasted like half of it and only use half of it. So I, I'm, I'm going to buy like smaller bottles now. That way I can just, you know, buy new ones every year or something. Something else that I've heard about Loctite too, is you always want to make sure you shake it because there is sediment in there that can settle too. Oh, so you always yeah. want to shake it too before you use it. Yeah. Point. Yeah. All right. I think it was good. Very good points. What do you guys think? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Terrible. Uh, <laughs> hey, at least he's honest. Oh, <laughs> uh, man, you spoiled all the fun, Darren, but that's kind of your, your job, I know. I'm just a weird comedian, <laughs> that's all. <laughs> eh? <laughs> exactly, eh? Eh? <laughs> <laughs> nice. Nice. Any any final thoughts, guys, on, you know, overall, now that you've, uh, you know, we've picked your brains enough, but... uh. Any any other things that you might come up with, uh, you know, mentally going through the hel- helicopter? Yes, I actually kind of. I, I while we were talking through all this, it uh, it came back to me, back to the the just overall like you know troubleshooting because I know a lot of times you know like the guy the guy we're mentioning with that goblin uh, with the bobbles. You know, we're, we're as we were talking throughout me and Ben, what you know, what we do on the tail and the head and transmission and so forth. It also has to do, uh, like as compared, like with Loctite, it also has to do with um, I've I've noticed throughout the years is the double side uh, tape on your gyro because I've had problems where either it's old uh, and doesn't stick as well and it causes vibrations. You know, as we were talking about vibrations throughout the helicopter. I, I, I've done it in the past where I've done two pieces of double side tape uh, on some hel- helicopters to prevent vibrations from the fiberless, and, and it's it's actually helped putting two double side pieces of tape and uh, different trying different brands that maybe sh- uh, that were stronger than the one I was using. So I just want to go back to that I don't know if, uh, if Ben has ever ran like run into a problem with double side sticky tape failing or not being as strong but uh yeah that's just another tip i i would always go back if you ever have like like vibrations uh you know coming from the fiberless system that could be it too okay yeah it's a good point good point yeah yeah i've never had any like recently i haven't had any issue with double tape on my gyros um back in the day i did you know like you're talking years ago uh when the gyros weren't as good as they are now it was, you know, a little bit more important to make sure you had uh, had the right tape on there. Otherwise, you'd have drifting issues and bobbles and stuff like that. But I think nowadays the the gyros are are pretty good with vibration, and uh, at least for with the Futaba, they actually give you the uh, supplied gyro tape for it, so you know exactly that if you use that tape with that gyro, it should be good, you know. And and that's that's all I use on mine, and it seems seems fine having any issues with it. 
but maybe uh, other gyros might be a little different. I'm not sure, but yeah. Okay. All right. That's that's a good tip. And now that I was uh, thinking about that, also, what do you guys use to make sure that the servo connectors don't pop out from the flabberless unit? So uh, let's uh, let's get started with you with you, Ben. So uh, sometimes I'll, it depends on what model it is because um, you know certain helis are you know they have different where you where you mount the gyro it's all different and like that and stuff like that but sometimes I'll uh, I'll use a little bit of hot glue on the top of the on the top of the wire, uh, plugs where it goes into the gyro I'll put like just some hot glue right there just to help hold them in uh, that's pretty much all I do I mean I've never really had an issue with them like coming undone the uh, the connectors that that go into the Futaba gyro are, are actually really good. Um, and they're very tight, so don't have to worry too much. So, uh, what do you do, Donnie? Uh, yeah, I've, I've done, um, I've done both, mm-hmm. but I can't, uh, because uh, I know sometimes people just put like a, a, a piece of double side tape on it. Um, yeah, on yeah, the top I've done that or, before too. Yeah. Uh, the, like same with Ben, just a little bit of hot glue. Um, I feel like that's a, that's like the best solution in my opinion. And it comes off easy too. Like, so like, yeah. you need, like swap gyro or servo, you can just like peel it off all one piece and it's, you know, fairly easy. So. Exactly. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I've, uh, I, I used to use always the double-sided tape because I used the flavorless units that had a single row of connectors, like the icon brain, and the spirit flavorless, you know, they, they, they use and, you know, and even the 3DG, you know, the, the connectors were pointing up, but it was a single row. But mm-hmm. on the Neo, there's actually two rows because there's the main row and then there's the governor that goes on like, let's say a separate row. So you cannot just grab a piece of tape and put it there. Mm-hmm. So what I've been doing is, you know, the same, the same double sided tape that, that sticks to the gyro. I leave a little bit, a little bit longer to use that to fasten the, the, the governor cable that goes on the bottom, then another one on the top. But one more tip that I saw, and I don't know what you guys think about this. I used it on my Nano S2, but I'm I'm a little bit hesitant to use it, although it seems to work fine. I, there's there's a channel called West Hobbies RC, and we actually had Jeff West here on the on the podcast as well. And he uses fabric paint. And uh, I, you know, I had I had never seen these uh, anyone use something like this. So I actually went to, you know, Michael's and bought fabric paint, which said that it was that, you know, the type of fabric paint that kind of puffs a little bit. So I just bought black of that. And I used it on the Nano S2 because I noticed that, you know, I told you that I'm doing this, uh, you know, basics retraining project or training, let's say. And I noticed that my uh, that the tail that there's a little tail fin that was vibrating like crazy. So I just put a little bit of, you know, a, a little dab of that thing on the on the tail because it kind of like snaps together to the tail boom, you know, because it's just such a small helicopter. There's not a lot of bolts and it's supposed to be, you know, for uh, to be as simple as possible to disassemble. So it just snaps there. Uh, there's there's nothing to it. So because it was snapping, you know, it was not completely in there. So it was vibrating a lot. So I put a little it, you know what just one drop of that thing and it worked wonders and it's also very easy to remove it doesn't come probably as as well as hot glue but i don't like hot glue just because it's hot you know i feel like it's gonna melt something and i don't know i've, I've never used that but i i kind of like don't like to don't trust myself with 
something hot, you know, getting in, getting in there. Uh, but you know that that was that I I found that funny. I don't know. Have you ever encountered other people? You know, I know that you guys have helped a lot of people. You know, there's a ton of people that come to you with questions, and you've seen all tons of setups, all tons of um, you know, of assemblies. People that are very nitpicky with their wiring. People that are just have rat's nest. I mean, so you've seen it all. Have you seen something? Yeah. Different there. I mean, I've never, honestly, never heard of that. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, but like, like you mentioned about the the hot glue being like too hot. I mean, I could see that, but you have to make sure that you're using the the low temp hot glue. You know, I know they they have like high temp hot glue, and you don't want to do that. You'll melt stuff. Make sure you're if you're going to use hot glue, make sure it's at least the the low temp gun. You know. Okay. Yeah, but I've never never actually heard about the. Uh, you said it's a fabric paint. Yeah, yeah, I didn't know wow. also about that. You know, I didn't oh. know about about the existence of that. But uh, and it seems to be something actually similar to what actual Horizon Hobby uses because the uh, nice. there's a there's a little connector that's just two pins that is the tail connector that goes to the fiberless unit. Well, that little fiberless unit, which is you know like the uh, smaller lines, which is just like a control board. Yeah, that that goes on that an- nano S two. So it's not like one of those snap connectors, you know. So it's just like two 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 prongs that that snap in. So it's very easy for it to come out. So what Horizon yeah. does is that they do something similar. Uh, you know, it it's kind of like a little black dab of something that that's there. That's what comes, you know, standard, you know, from the factory. And I noticed that, you know, when I remove the tail and I put it back in and I use the fabric paint, it looks almost exactly identical to what it had before. Nice. So they use something similar. So I thought it was it was cool, but I don't know I don't know if I want to use it on the seminar <laughs> yet. But but yeah, that was something that I wanted to throw out. Very cool. Well, I might have to get some of that and and do some testing on with my own. That'd be cool. Yeah, yeah, nice. This this there's now two things that I have you a guinea pig for, Ben. <laughs> <laughs> nice, oh. I like it. <laughs> <laughs> Alrighty, nice, nice, nice. All right, guys, that was very good conversation. I think um, I really, uh, I really appreciate your guys' input. Of course, your experience uh, throughout the hobby, helping a ton of people, being on on several uh, teams uh, right now. You guys, uh, you know, with Heli Direct, you know, helping a lot of a lot of people. So really appreciate um, the time you you being with us. And uh, I Absolutely. think the time has come, guys. The time has come. To give us that big reveal, right? (laughs) The big big reveal. Oh, that's right. Oh, did we say that? Oh, yeah. Did we say that? (laughs) So, when when is this podcast going to air? On the 26th. On the 26th of this? Okay. Of January. All right. Okay. All right. Because this would be the time our thing comes out. So. Oh. Perfect. Perfect. We get to announce it. Should we announce it, Ben? Oh. We, I mean, we, it's I'll, up to you, I'll leave it. I, I mean, dude, I don't know. Like, I, I feel like I'll let you make the call. We'll put it all I on mean... Ben. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> Shift the blame, why don't you? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We're just going to put it all on Ben. <laughs> oh, man. Well, I feel like, you know, we're we're still in the works of it. So I don't want to, like, say sure. too much and then, like, you know, something be different or, you know, change. Just, but, just um, give us a better hint. Just give us a better hint. Uh, what's what's the what's a good hint, Donnie? I'm trying to think of it right now. Without without um, without like saying it, you without, know, like, just without hint. saying it. Um, huh? Let's see. I don't know. It, it, 
Is it something mechanical? Is it something electrical? Is it something, it, it, you know? I guess, I guess the, the way we could say it would, because it's two things in one. Um, so I, I guess we would kind of want to say it's kind of like, it's kind of like a, I, 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 man it's one i could say it's like a it's a it's like one thing but it's not just that um it's gonna be it's gonna be a show uh in a in a a sense uh with me and ben um and Mm. and and it's gonna be on youtube uh it might be on other platforms but uh it's something cool to connect the uh, us to the hobby with you guys more and uh you know bring you along on on experiences and stuff uh you know behind the scenes and stuff that me and ben do in the hobby and for our sponsors so kind of kind of put it kind of put it right there um we're we're gonna our target date our our target is uh the end of this month probably around the time you drop this podcast uh we'll have it announced and then probably i would say like the like i don't know probably the 29th or the 30th we'll drop the first uh i guess show you know just hope you guys like it and share it and stuff so yeah we're very excited about doing this and uh yeah cool you want to add anything it's, to yeah. it then or well i mean i'm excited totally excited for for sure and uh, i don't um i don't want to like say too much but uh it's kind of like bringing it back because it's, it's already been a thing right donnie yeah so yeah good point so it's a thing um uh, so I guess if people really want to look into it, uh, it's something I used to do uh, when I was younger in the hobby. It's just another version of it with Ben. That's kind of where we'll put it at. And, uh, yeah, and we're it's, very it's excited gonna be a, to bring it back. Yeah, it's going to be a really nice tribute to one of the original members that was in it too. So it'll be a really good thing. That, nice. well, the original One of the original members that's no longer with us, I'll add that, unfortunately. Yeah. Yep. So, that sounds cool. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. It does. It does. Nice, nice. Very, very well. Thank you very much, guys. So now, well, now that you that you mentioned that, you know, um, I wanted to throw something else out, and uh, this this is this is this is a weird idea, um, but I don't know. You guys that are more involved into the hobby, um, that you know are going into these projects that have more exposure, that talk to a lot of 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 people, that even sometimes get involved in competitions, that talk to a lot of people that are sponsored. You know things like that that are you know way more involved in the hobby. I just I just wanted to throw this out, and I just thought about this. What what was it? Two years ago? Three years ago? I don't know. You know during during the pandemic, Mirko and some other guy I don't remember they organized this competition, this online world world sim heli competition or something like that. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that. Was yes, I, I I remember. I, yeah, I, remember I remember him doing that. Yeah. Okay, so you know, I actually that's the only competition that I've participated in, and uh, you know, I'm um no way, you know, I'm probably like you know, what one point five percent of your guys's skill, you know, but it was very very cool to to prepare because you know I had to prepare you know a flight that was consistently doing the same maneuvers to consistently the same music so that I could prepare it and present it, right? So it was a very good yeah. experience, you know, to do that. And then to have, you know, Mirko and, uh, and, and oh my God, he's going to kill me, but I don't 
I, I don't remember his name, but but you know they went through the through the video and they talked about it and they they talked about every single flight of every single person that participated, which was really cool. You know, it made you feel like you know like you know you're competing like one of the pros. You know, so I don't know. It's something of an idea. You know, now that you're talking about bringing back uh, you know other stuff from the past, if uh, uh, you you know some idea to throw out. Um, I've tried to reach out to to Mirko to see if he could revive these but now i throw it out to you because you know uh you know you guys i probably don't know but i'm anti-facebook so i haven't been able to reach out to anyone else but maybe something also to try you know for for someone it would be cool to have that you know probably especially around the uh, winter months or at least for the people who don't fly during the winter months it would be cool you know something to get the community together and something that you know i think that there's some people that get intimidated right you know Mm-hmm. Whenever, whenever you sure. see a competition, it's the top five percent of pilots competing, right? It's always this like the same people. Every so often, uh, you know, a new talent comes in, but usually, you know, I wouldn't compete against you guys. I mean, for example, you know, you know what I mean. But I, but I did like competing in that. You know, there were different, you know, a few several tiers, and it was cool, you know, because it didn't really matter to to compete you you were not really competing about uh, against the top talent you were competing against people of other talent and you didn't get to wreck your heli you didn't need to get to prepare to fly to someplace i mean i think it was a very accessible platform for anyone that wants to just experience that so just wanted to throw out that out there you know now that you guys mentioned this kind of like you know online project and bringing something back you know that kind of sparked that in the back of my mind so just wanted to throw it out yeah, that's I actually, a great suggestion. I actually, yeah, I actually love this idea and yeah. and would like to like add to it. I think it would be cool to have the option uh if if me and Ben were to pick this up to have, you know, the different classes obviously um have like three classes uh and I would like to encourage people to do uh be able to do both. So I would like to add like a actual in person uh, so basically, and you could do the sim. Uh, so we would have like a sim competition and a actual like you know send a video of you actually like flying in you know at your field, uh, like a little routine or something like that. Um, just you know putting people out there in like the competition world uh, and doing it like you know at their field, but not being watched you know by you know people or fe- feeling that competition pressure. You know you would feel being physically at a competition so i think that would be really cool if we could uh work yeah. on something like that that, that that's a g- really great idea yeah yeah thank you so much for that idea that's great yeah i i think it'd be really cool to add uh the pros even in this like uh, nick maxwell kyle stacy and so forth you know with ben right there and stuff so i think that would be really cool yeah, for sure, and maybe and maybe we can get um, we can get Kyle Kyle Dahl to come compete again. Oh man, <laughs> yeah, that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that would be pretty cool. Yeah, so. yeah, for sure. All right, okay, guys. So um, I guess that's uh, it then for today. So um, uh, you you heard it here first from from these guys. They are gonna have uh, come up uh, with something by the end of of January, which is a few days um, after after this episode is released. So, just wanted to thank you guys uh, for for the time that you've invested with us here, uh, sharing your thoughts. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Darren. You were gonna say something else? 
Yeah, before we go, let's get some, uh, let's put some good word in for your guys' sponsors here too. Donnie, talk about your sponsors a little bit here and whatnot. Oh, yeah. So I would go with the biggest one is uh, HeliDirect. Um, Sa- Sam over at HeliDirect, uh, thank you for all the support. And then uh, also Torque Servos. Uh, I'm actually the, the brand manager and the team manager for Torque Servos with HeliDirect. So I really appreciate that opportunity. Same with Pulse, uh, Batteries, uh, Zero Power, Ego Drift, and especially Hobby Wing, North America, and uh, also Dry Fluid. So I want to thank everyone. Um, because if without this, you know, I wouldn't be where I'm at. So I appreciate appreciate the support they've given me and everyone else throughout the years. So uh, thank you. Yeah, so obviously, uh, same team as uh, Donnie, HeliDirect. Thank you to Sam, the owner of HeliDirect, for everything. Um, they really take care of us, and it's like a big family, you know. We, we just enjoy flying helicopters, and we go to events, and it's a big family. I want to thank Vitaba, so Torque Servos. Pulse Batteries and Hobby Wing now is actually a new sponsor. <laughs> you heard it first. Nice. You guys heard yeah. it first. Hobby Wing, new, new sponsor for, for Ben Stork. You heard it first here. <laughs> yeah. So, um, who did, did I say Goose Guy? Nope. Oh, yeah. Goose, Goose Guy. Guy. <laughs> Goose Guy. We can't miss Goose Guy. Goose Guy yeah, is a great, can't miss great Goose sponsor. Guy. I love yep. my S2. That thing's amazing. It flies like a 700. And uh, we got a new Goose Guy coming, the RS4. So I'm um, pretty excited for that. Should be getting here this probably this week or next week. So can't wait. Um, but yeah, thanks to all my sponsors. And thank you guys so much for having us on the show. It's, it was a great time, a lot of fun. And hopefully we get to do it again um, soon. Yeah, for sure, for sure. I think it was it was a great time. I know that you guys uh, lately have been doing the rounds in the podcast, which is, which is awesome. I actually heard, you know, why they call you the, the gambler. And I never thought that it was that. <laughs> So just because, oh, yeah. Yeah, just because you're from Vegas. You know, I always thought because you gambled with a helicopter, right? You know, because you were right. so intense in your flying that you were gambling the integrity of your helicopter. You know, I will, always thought it was <laughs> kind of like that. Never thought uh-huh. it was just because, you know, you live in Vegas. <laughs> so uh, that yeah, was pretty yeah. cool. Yeah, and then, uh, you know, like John Johnson, the the, the, the puppet, Pinion. I yes. don't know if you Yes. <laughs> yeah so exactly <laughs> he was the he was the one who came up with the, the name the gambler so that's that came from him nice all right guys so um again thank you very much for being here with us any parting words that you might have before we say goodbye um i just want to like think like i said i want to thank you guys for having us on uh it was lots of fun and uh yeah looking forward to uh listening to it back again Yep. Uh, yeah. Thank you guys again for having us. Thank you everyone for listening and uh, everyone have sa- have a just fly fly to the fullest and be safe. Alrighty. Thank you very much. So I guess that's it for today, and uh, we'll listen again to us next time. Sweet. See you. Thank you. Sweet. See you later. Bloopers and outtakes. Bloopers and outtakes. And there was much rejoicing. Okay, Javi, are you recording yourself? Uh, Yes, I am recording. Are you sure about that? I'm sure about that.
Yes. Um, sure my levels may be too high. So give no, me one second. Recording volume. Some people. I don't know about this. There you go. Okay. So I have peaks of... No, I have peaks of 12. A little bit more. There you go. I have peaks of... Minus 18, which I think is good. Yeah, okay. I want minus 17. (laughs) (laughs) It's got to be perfect. Yes, it's got to be perfect. (laughs) Considering my audio last on our last recording was absolutely awful. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I know. Was it red red line or something? (laughs) Oh, I was badly distorted. Uh, oh, no. by, which, by the way, am I sounding distorted at all today? I hope I'm not. No, no you're you're clear. Okay, good. Because yeah, I had my gain levels set way too high on our last recording, and it was awful. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. Alrighty. So you wanna you guys wanna get started? Sure. Yeah, I'm ready. Right, when you guys are. All right. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> For um, you know, for for checking the the whole transmission motor assembly. Hello, hello. Are we still here? Uh, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. Did you hear what I was saying? No. Yes. Or yeah. No? no, I heard you. Oh. Okay. 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 <laughs> <laughs> I was going to, there was this long uncomfortable silence yeah I was like I hope I didn't just disconnect my Wi-Fi go up I was starting to think the same thing I think yeah. Javier I think you need to talk, uh, pick who goes first is what it is yeah, uh, yeah I think so okay yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay okay let's do let's do Ben first now <laughs> 